0: Hello everybody and welcome to Ignite Radio Live and our award-winning podcast on all major podcast platforms. Over these weeks of Lent, we're doing something very special. A weekly power hour series date night for Catholic couples featuring a new dynamic presenter every week. Including ourselves, Greg and Stephanie Schleter, Father Nathan Cromley, Greg and Julie Alexander, Peter and Deb Herbeck, Melody Lyons, Father Nick Rao, and a capstone episode by Dr. Bob Schutz, which will happen during Holy Week. We're making available all episodes right now on demand for free at massimpact.us forward slash power hour. We're so grateful and blessed for partners who help us drive this critical mission of uniting families and seeking proclaiming, living, and building the kingdom. Find out more at ilovemyfamily.us. Please click on that partner tab. Now we continue our Lenten Power Hour series for Catholic couples. Delighted to have you all here. We are going to optimize this by getting right at it. Trinity, we're going deeper into our nature and identity. Trinitarian nature, unsurpassed nature, identity, in the very fabric of love that is God. So I'm going to dive right into this. Hopefully you can see the screen. And uh, first of all, a very quick bit about Steph and I, let me get over. Let me see you click on this thing, maybe. Okay, there we go. So in brief, Stephanie and I, uh, there we are, my beautiful love of my life, married, uh, coming up on 25 years and six children you can see there with and the a son-in-law. new son-in-law last year. And also you see the blessing in it that's in our backyard. Each of our children, youngest is 16. The oldest is 22 and a beautiful little blessing born last before. week. That's our little Magdalena Grace. I'm glad I'm seeing your smiles. It tells me you're seeing the <laughs> screen and she just came to join us at our house first time a couple hours ago. So we're very blessed by her. Um, By the way, this will be very real, very folksy. I think Steph is maybe silencing some knife cutting in the background and such. So it's all good. It's all family. All right. Um, So my background, basically, before and full-time ministry was film marketing, faith meets culture, film marketing. So these are just a few of the projects I was blessed to work on, Narnia, Superman Returns um god of the girl some of you may know damascus an awesome catholic campus in the center of ohio reaching thousands throughout the world make that note cysc so dan de on the far left there he was in this a e film one day we'll have to see it all right uh champions of faith great series kind of rocky balboa meets um catholic superstar major league baseball players um hard as nails justin Fatika. we got a really good connection with him i was involved with that project and a number of others, but now we are full-time in this marriage and family mission called Mass Impact, but it's easy just to remember the proclamation. I love my family.us. In a word, we are about uniting us, marriages and families, and more fully discovering, proclaiming, living, and building the kingdom. So, really John Paul II, St. John Paul II is our hero and our guide among the entire church, but him. So he said the future passes, future of humanity passes by way of the family. And also Familiaris Consortio is great encyclical letter to families, family become what you are. You'll find these threads throughout this whole, I think seven weeks going deeper into the heart and mystery of family as an image of the Trinity and family living it here on earth. All right, let's get down to this. So Um, T, T is for truth. And is truth not under fire? Of course it is. Here are some examples just to demonstrate the nature of this battle in understanding truth. Um, I might say the thesis was articulated by Justice Kennedy in the Obergefell case in 2015, where he said, we have the right to define and express our own identity now, one isn't going to take away from somebody their opinion, right? But does that correspond to our nature? Do we have power over nature to, de- to determine our identity? This pretty much at a Supreme Court level had an ep- epic influence and in, I think, in a large way, capping what culture was already saying. Um, and we go back to one of our favorite movies, Jesus of Nazareth. What is truth? Pontius Pilate asks. We're still asking that question. So some examples. In 2012, mayors of Chicago and Boston declared Chick-fil-A had no place in their cities because their executive held marriage between a man and a woman. Example two, several states forced Catholic charities out of the adoption business, either because the charity does not offer same-sex spousal benefits or declines to place children for adoption with same-sex couples. Three, Twitter locked the account the other day of Representative Vicki Hartzler. She's a Republican from Missouri after she tweeted this seemingly very provocative message, women's sports are for women, not men pretending to be women. Now these last two, pay attention to these. And by the way, I wanna state this up front: wherever you're at in any of this, we are fallen, we are sinners, we need God's grace. And you may get this theme, we're not gonna presume to erase the line because we struggle with it. My struggle may not be, whatever somebody's dealing with homosexual desires are, but God knows I've got my struggles that merit my self mastery. And so this is being attuned away in a particular way. The enemy is causing us causing many in culture to disregard truth. So children as young as five are being encouraged to disregard their anatomy and choose their gender based on their feelings. Last week, a California mother raged at the Spreckles Union School District Board for allowing teachers to coach her 12-year-old daughter on becoming a boy, choosing a boy's name, and hiding the plan from the family. Finally, real deal here. California law was Bill 1184, Newsom Says name prohibits insurance companies. This is actual language from the law. Prohibits insurance companies from revealing to the policyholder—that'd be you and me as parents—typically the sensitive services of anyone on their policy, including minor children. These sensitive services include abortions, sexual assault treatment, drug abuse, and mental health treatment, cross-sex hormones, puberty blockers, and sex change operations in California minors can consent to all of these sensitive treatments, except for sex change surgeries after the age of 12 under certain conditions and consent to abortions at any age. Again, just a portrait of where our culture is concretely at, codified, institutionalized. Let's move forward here. Um, We, there are consequences of course, um, and I think the great producer, director, Cecil B. DeMille said it in his, um, he's the of the Ten Commandments, said we cannot break the Ten Commandments. We can only break ourselves against them. Think about it. What commandment or moral law have any of us ever broken in life that did not, in fact, really break us? He goes on to say, or else by keeping them, rise through them to the fullness of freedom under God. God means us to be free. With daring, divine daring, he gave us the power of choice. So some scripture passages that I think very much define ages gone by, but maybe again have been institutionalized in our modern culture. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than creator. Another one, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We're all familiar perhaps a few months ago where Chelsea Clinton had essentially declared abortion a sacrament in what Jesus would want to allow um, that choice to be made. Again, praying for all the confusion. She has hers, I've got mine. We don't erase it, but it conveys the battle here. The thief comes only to steal and t- to kill and destroy, John ten ten. So, consequences, as Cecil B. DeMille said, it's not simply an ideological, ethereal thing, this battle lingering out there somewhere. It takes effect concretely in our lives. We see it in our own maybe marriages and families. We see it with those that we work with. We see it in the culture around us. This ought to really anybody who cares for somebody who's suffering minimally awaken us to, is this good or is this objectively bad? These are just some of the consequences chemical abuse, the highest rate in history recorded, porn proliferation, gender dysphoria, marital neglect, infidelity, and divorce, highest rates ever. Domestic and other violence, highest rates ever. Institutional complicity, that's what we're talking about. I might say ecclesial impotence, let me clarify. We believe that our Catholic church is perfect and true, given by Christ, but in its institutional form, which we are all part of insofar as we are imperfect, We're seeing an absence of the kind of courage around across the board with rare examples. We are part of that, by the way. There's an absence of responding to a lot of these things in a regular way to deal with people's wounds. And I'd say this is one that affects all of us to certain degrees, unprecedented anxiety, depression, and suicide. So yeah, welcome to the power hour. Isn't this all happy so far? We're going to turn a corner. Just hold on. Let's let's get the portrait here, right? Let's recognize truth as being assailed. Okay, so this is maybe another hard piece because what I just spoke of maybe is applicable to those who don't know Jesus, applicable to those outside the church. So as I, in the minimal time we had, I wanted to ask the question, how might we as Catholics be particularly challenged and influenced by this battle for objective truth and to know it? Pope Benedict identifies something he calls practical atheism. In so many words, he is suggesting here to those who go to mass, who pray the rosary, who do their novenas, who have ashes on their head, mine are off from today, uh, who are faithful externally, who have behavior observance of, uh, of the faith, maybe even perfectly, he describes this, shall I say, pandemic of practical atheism, which in so many words is that our love of Christ, the Lordship of Jesus, is not in the fabric of all we do. It's not at that motive level of the decisions that we make with our time, with our money, with our energies, with, with our lives. When nobody is looking, when nobody sees, that's the measure. If we had cameras around our home, seeing the kinds of interactions we are having, that would be the measure. And Pope Benedict is acknowledging the sort of duality that exists of a performance Christianity, Pelagianism would be the early heresy, this propensity for us to know these things and think that we're good because we do them. And he's inviting us to go deeper as we're inviting you to join us to go deeper and get at that heart motive level and transform our hearts, Lord Jesus, Romans 12, 1 and 2. But to recognize practical atheism for a rich faith such as ours is a very prominent challenge to many of us. Um, this is a decisive truth which always challenges me. and all of these, I am deeply challenged. Yes, Magdalena, you may have heard her give a little shout out in the background. Anyways, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father. And he goes on to say, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in the name, your name perform many miracles? Let me pause. If you knew family members or friends right now who are prophesying, like could read souls, speak into them. If they were healing people, even raising them from the dead, would we not say and agree, man, that person is very holy. Like wh- how indicative of a godliness. Jesus goes on to say, so if that I might say, I go to mass, I, I'm on my retreats, my crucios, my chirps, my ignites, whatever they are, all wonderful things. But Jesus goes on to say, and I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So it seems to me that we as a community here, as married couples, ought to get a lasso around what does Jesus mean by I never knew you. That we could have perfect behavior observance, which is a sign of love. Let's not dismiss that. To do what God asks, all of his commands, but at a deeper level, what is he challenging us in this realm of truth? What does it mean to know? So here's some very fun words to know. You've got the uh, Hebrew and the Greek which I have no idea. Gnosko, I might take a shot at it. This is the word that that's from. And basically it means to know, especially through personal experience. And as the same verb is in Luke one thirty four, where Mary says, I do not know man. It has sexual conjugal intimacy connotations. This is the nature of God's in Christ, desire for relationship with himself in Jesus, a, a, of a nature of a sexual intimacy, a total body self-gift, an irrevocable totality of heart, mind, body, and soul. That's something for us to shoot for, isn't it? That more excited than the Super Bowl a couple of weeks ago or whatever may happen in our lives, that we're, we're, we are so attuned to God and in that intimate level. So, um a couple um, passages that really capture this heart piece, not dismissing the objective because the objective truth God gives us and reveals to us, but the subjective piece that John Paul II really awakened us to, right? Reawakened us to in the church is where's my heart at? How important is the heart for an Orthodox solid Catholic? And um, a couple verses here. So foretelling in the old Testament, where we saw the battle of them following God's will, right? And doing well and being blessed. And then they would get cocky. They get arrogant, right? And they would they would uh, lose their eyes, turn their eyes from God as soon as they came out of the desert. And they'd find themselves exiled or, or just in this place of debauchery and darkness. And so they they didn't have the consistency. And so God saw this and he spoke to the prophet Ezekiel. Hey, I see what's going on, this up and down and on and off. And he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. A second one from Jeremiah 31, 33. I will put my law on their minds and write it in their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. A third one, focusing again on love in its essence. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Again, the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the greatest commandment. Jesus himself, our Lord himself, saying it. First Corinthians, I may speak in the tongue of men and angels, but if I have not love, I'm just a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. Let's think about it, men, women, what words come out of our mouths often in our homes, our families, our relationships. They could even be religious thoughts. It can be the rosary. But if love isn't the heart of it, it's, it's a clanging gong. Um, he goes on to say, if I have the gift of prophecy, again, all these manifestations, and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, but if I, if I have a faith that can move mountains, but if I have love, I have nothing. In the catechism, in so many words, this is so challenging to us who maybe grew up in the faith or came to the faith. What is decisive in this area of truth? What God is saying to us is that if we don't, connect with the dispositions at the heart of the disciplines, it's superstition. I'll say that again. If we don't connect with the dispositions, the heart piece at the heart of the disciplines is just superstition. Without love, there is no truth. These are the ways that we Catholics are challenged. So truth affirmed, love has a shape. Truth is not something we can presume to create. I think, by the way, this cuts through every cultural challenge, every legal institutional challenge, ecclesial challenge. This punctuates the battle, if you will, and the decisive um, opportunity for us to choose. Truth is not something we can presume to create. I can't create my gender. I can't say that abortion is good. I can't determine... um, So many things about the world. Truth is not something we can create. Truth is someone in whom we are created. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is a person. So from our identity flows our mission, right? If we connect with this heart piece in Christ, our nature the fabric of God who is love, who created us, given God's revelation, we are eternally defined by our response of either reception or rejection. It's worthy to think about that in the particulars. How does God reveal his desire for us as men or women in our marriage? He reveals it as an occasion for us to either receive it in our hearts or reject it. So we do um, something called Mission One Marriage Retreats. They're three-day retreats, and they're awesome. We go through Kingdom of God, Alive Personally, Marriage, Family, and World. And this is just a a sheet that where the rubber hits the road, right? Because we could sit and hear a great talk from Father Ricardo or Bob Schutz or some of our great speakers we're going to hear over the next seven weeks. And we could maybe just feel good about, yeah, I connect with this love thing, God. I connect with the desire to love and I'm going to love my wife more. But here's where the rubber hits the road. I just took six questions from the evaluation that helps us evaluate this. So I'm going to take you literally just think about this with our time running short. If you were to rate each of these below, yourself the degree to which you are a zero or a 10 now by the way 10 is perfect sainthood in each of these areas so together we remain attuned to the father's heart of love for us his power and purpose through shared dedicated prayer daily how would you rate yourselves today we remain attuned to the father's heart of love for us his power and purpose through shared dedicated prayer daily Secondly. Together, we name and renounce any emotional and spiritual attacks on our relationship. What does that mean, men? That means if your wife is struggling with something emotionally conflicted, work, home, school, we have the father's heart for her. And privately, we're praying for grace. We're praying for her to know her value, how beautiful she is. We go deeper than whatever that surface issue is, your issue is. And we speak to whatever those whispers and lies are. And in the name of Jesus, I renounce those lies. I renounce that confusion because I love you. And because God made me on the front lines as your husband to do battle with you. Do we do that or just get in the weeds and fight it out over the, the superficial things? Again, a challenge for all of us. I wish I could say I'm a 10, but it's very powerful when we do that. Thirdly, together we seek to understand, name, and renounce the enemy and all his works. How is the enemy active in our lives? Through addictions, food, chemicals, appearance, money, material, status, power. Again, husband and wife, tremendous gift to know the way the enemy working or influencing us, to name them and renounce them in the name of Jesus. Together, four, we speak life to one another, our children and our community. If an inventory was taken of our words, where do they land in terms of our heart's connection to the Father and speaking life? Because speaking is so powerful, Right the mighty Ruah that hovered across the waters, God's word speaking and causing all creation to come into existence. So we dignified in the image and likeness of God of the power through words to speak life and renounce evil. Five, together we create an atmosphere of apology and forgiveness by modeling it. We invite us through these seven weeks to recover that. If we need to apologize and forgive after this is done, that might be one of the most consequential things we could do, clear the air, recognize our faults and failings, say, hey, pray for me. I'm fallen. I need God's grace. I want to be a better husband. I apologize. Will you forgive me? That would be a very powerful thing to do. All the more if we do it on a weekly, on a daily basis. Don't let that, uh, don't let that get in the way. Finally, together we listen to one another and others with the Father's heart. Moving quickly here. Our ultimate story, our story is an ultimate drama starring each of us. So I want you to take a moment and think about, some of you are familiar with this, if your favorite movie, what might that be? Sound of Music, Lord of the Rings, um, so many good movies, Gladiator. I, I like many of them. So uh, what about Bob, if I'm going to go funny? So there are many movies that have been created. And every story, I'm going to make a bold statement that every story, every movie ever created and of the lives of humanity really reveal four, basic moments, every single one. Number one, there's a starting point. That's not really prophetic. Number two, the protagonist, those going through this experience, a crucible, a struggle, a crisis, a challenge. Again, whether it's Frodo or whether it's Maximus, whatever it is, what happens then? Thirdly, through that crucible, they more fully discover their identity. It awakens them to who they are. The Lion King very much punctuates that, doesn't it? from which informs their mission, four main movements. Now, each of these movements, there's something that deeply resonates with every person on the planet that causes us to spend collectively billions of dollars in stories, in movies, and in books. Perhaps we're not meant to be just spectators. Perhaps it's resonating with us, something of our very nature. And so let's give different words to each of these movements and consider. Starting point is life. The crucible is death. The discovering our identity is resurrection, which informs our mission. Pentecost. What does that sound like? The life of Christ. Whether you are Hindu, Muslim, Jewish, Christian, Vulcan, Hobbit, All of us share this fabric of God, of the Trinity. We image him. This is the motion and movements of our life, the very nature that God has called us to, without which we will be empty if we don't understand the tremendous gift that God, wherever we're at in in this life at any moment, that we're experiencing these things, the pattern of Christ, which Christ himself experienced. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So there's movements in between each one. So we have the moments and we have the movements between life and death is being emptied of ourselves, Philippians 2 emptied of the junk of the debris so what so we can be filled with god's grace confession leads we come and we're filled with his grace the capacity to image god and bring his life to build the kingdom to overflow it's not meant to just end with us on that retreat end with this tonight but it's meant so to be so vibrant so abundant that it overflows in life-giving streams to our marriage our family and all that we are associated with so truth of marriage summarized our identity is that man and woman image God, Genesis 1.27. Our mission is to make God who is love known Is the world not looking for God. Is the world not pining for evidence that God is with them? That is yours and my supreme, amazing, epic call to image God, to make him known. That's a purpose of marriage and family. And how do we do that? Because we can't do it alone. We do it because Christ dignified us through, with, and in Jesus Christ. So I think we made it in 25 minutes. We're going to break up in a group now in just a moment, but my wife is going to give you a few um, considerations to maybe make this even more concrete. And then we're going to go into our breakout groups.
1: So, Greg, those of you who know him, he's like the fancy schmancy techno dude. I have my little ripped out pencil (laughs) (laughs) by pencil, little, little notes when we found out that we needed to do this rather quickly. Um, so I just want to declare the truth of marriage is beauty, Mm. right? That it is, it is truly a gift from God, an incredible sacramental grace Um, that it is good, that it is precious, that it needs protection. Um, And again, grateful and blessed that we are able to journey with you, that you're able to journey with us over these next weeks of Lent to um, kind of pinpoint those absolute truths that the Lord wishes to highlight. And when we were kind of talking about this for tonight, Something that came to mind for me was um, a uh, we interviewed father John Ricardo recently, and he gave some advice to families, to couples for this lens. And so I'm just going to reiterate them because they were so um, on point and the word truth comes right. When do we really, really want to hear the truth the most? When well, we're at a doctor's office, right? We want to just hear straight up what's going on. You know, we look around if we're in a war, which, we pray for peace. Right. But we want to know exactly what's going on so that we know how to you know, go there and the truth of the enemy. So just very, very briefly, um, if you have a pencil or a pen or a computer and want to jot this down, I just really encourage you to pray together with these th- three things from Father Ricardo that he um, offered. So the first one was for us as couples to pray with the mindset of a physician. That um, it's, he described it as looking at a spiritual MRI of, you know, yourself, your marriage, your family, however you want to do that and just pray, Lord, show me the single biggest wound, show me that single biggest wound, and from that build a plan. So again, to pray with the mindset of a physician. So I'm just going to, you know, not fill these out as much. You guys can do that. The second was to pray with the mindset of a general. So to look at the map of territory, territory of your hearts, territory of uh, your marriage, territory of your family, and then pray, Lord, what area here that is occupied by the enemy? What is that area that you want to liberate that you are asking us to attack, then build a strategy, right? We can hear all these things or know these things, but to act on them. So again, the first one with the physician to see that wound and to build a plan, just like you would if you went to the doctor, right? in war, you know, the mindset of the general, you know, what, what's being occupied that we need to attack and then come up with a plan. And then the third one, and finally, I just thought was so powerful and so true and real is to ask the Lord to see the mission control uh, in hell. Like, how is the evil one looking at your life, your marriage, your family? What plan does he have to destroy that, to come after that. The Lord wants us to win. He wants us to grow in freedom and holiness, to be engaged, to help others in liberation. So what is hell's strategy? If you were the enemy, what would you do to render ineffective the plan? And I think if we had time, and if you wanna talk about this later as a couple, they would come to mind really quickly in marriage, right? You know, unkind words, fears, suspicion, jealousy, Um, resentments, unforgiveness. So if they come that quickly, you can imagine what the enemy wants to go after. So as a couple, build a plan to come against those, come against those. So to look at those and to pray, the Lord wants to um, show the hurt, show the liberation, show the plans so that all of it can be to be healed and to become saints together.
0: You've been listening to our very special Power Hour series for Catholic couples featuring a dynamic new presenter every week. We're making available all episodes right now on demand for free at massimpact.us forward slash power hour. We're so grateful and blessed for partners who help us drive this critical mission of uniting families and seeking, proclaiming, living, and building the kingdom. Find out more at ilovemyfamily.us please click on that partner tab. Now we continue our Lenten Power Hour series for Catholic couples. Dear Lord Jesus, this coming Sunday, in the midst of great struggle and turmoil and clouds and confusion, you lead three of your beloved disciples up the mountain and you make yourself manifest, Lord God. We do choose you again, Lord God, in this moment, that this is the place you want us to be. This is at the burning bush. This is at the I am moment where your light is manifest to us. We open our hearts and minds to be attuned to you, chiseling us the character, discipleship character, to live according to our identity as an image of you, that we'd image you, Lord God, to the world. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So blessed to see that Welcome. our speaker is here. Father, we showed your amazing video, and we're going to cue you in just a moment, but so delighted to have you. Um, so folks, we are entering more deeply into the Trinity. Genesis 1:27. the world is pining to see God, and in his image, he made us male and female. Our primary identity from which flows our mission is to make God who is love, known. So the tea last week from the pinch hitter, was to recognize that truth is the fabric of it all, to know the truth. And in this culture, we see truth under attack. I'm not going to repeat everything we had last week. We do have that program. For those of you who are new, we welcome you and see our good friends here. But the idea that truth is not some, something we can create, but someone in whom we are created. Truth is not something that we can create, but someone in whom we are created, and that is Jesus. And from that truth, which is the path paving eternal life, we have the occasion to live in the abundant life, not without suffering or struggle or difficulty, but Christ alive in us. If we follow the path he's given us, particularly the gift is Catholics. So the R, once we know the truth, is to respond, is to respond, to pray for the grace, the sacramental grace, to respond to what God reveals to us. So with no further ado, um, we're going to, as, as with last week, the same format, 20 to 25 minutes, and then we'll break up into small groups and I'll guide you along the way. But, uh, we are very, very blessed to have our beloved friend, a native of this area, Father Nathan Cromley. So Woo-hoo. you can clap if you want, but once you warmly welcome <laughs> Father Nathan Cromley.
2: Listen, we, we are here at the beginning of this Lent and fired up as we go into the Trinity here, this, and I love the, the idea that I get to talk about response because that's what I do. That's what my ministry is all about. It's about the response that we make, uh, and, and let me just be honest. I think that a lot of our Catholic world is missing the boat. I get to travel around the country in my, my ministry, um, and as I go, I'm amazed at how many dejected, anxious, frightful, fearful, sad Catholics I run into. Uh, Christians, you know, if there's any non-Catholics here, you know, you're welcome. Glad that you're here. You know, I use the word Catholic because I'm kind of on the team, you know, so, you know, I represent my brand. But, you know, you can apply this to any denomination that you want to. But the, the fact is, I'm amazed that we seem to think that we've been defeated. And it's because someone's got it into our head to say that we're defeated. And the easiest way to become defeated is to believe that you already are. Uh, Defeat is a mental game. It's not, I mean, you have have so many things going against us. The rise, the metaverse, which is going to arrive. If you don't know what it is, you need to look it up on YouTube because it's coming your way. Uh, Facebook just pledged $180 billion. $180 180 billion dollars to have this thing built in the next 10 years. Uh, we Microsoft just built, bought Fortnite for 68 billion dollars. Uh, so that it could have all the technology necessary. When you got that kind of numbers being thrown around, you realize, oh, my goodness, we don't have any control over our lives. Right. You don't have any control over World War Three starting and having to hear about it in every single story that you have. You don't have any control over whether you want to wear a mask or not, whether you want to be vaccinated or not. Control is just something people don't have. And that makes you feel like you are spinning out of it. And when we think that we could have a Super Bowl halftime show that features two of the most prominent anti-women people we've our cultures ever, you know, spawned as the 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 entertainment at the halftime, I mean, like, am I the only one outraged by this? I feel like I am. Uh, But like, why is that the case that I'm the only one outraged by this? I'll tell you what, every halftime show from here on in, I'm doing my own and I'm going to start to advertise it. I want to get 100,000 people watching my halftime show because I'm ticked off about this. If you had Pope Francis get up there to speak at the halftime show of the Super Bowl, people would be protesting that he's anti-woman. But when Eminem and Snoop Dogg. Don't even read their lyrics. They're the most horrific things you could find. Choose to grace our stage. It's not even a grace. They disgrace our stage. We all sit there and say, oh, we'll pass the Fritos. I guess it's time to be entertained by Snoop Dogg. You know, I'm not going to be entertained by Snoop Dogg because I'm responding. You see, the whole thing is, what's your response going to be? And of course, you have three different kinds of responses. You have, I can respond to To truth by implementing it and building, which is, of course, the right response. I can respond to truth by staying in the status quo and just saying I'm a nice person and not doing anything, which is actually to therefore not respond. But and then or I could actually fight against the truth. And today you've got the three choices. Choice A is the only one that's authentically Catholic. Because in choice A, where I build with it, I end up meeting the power of Jesus Christ and I find the the pathways of the resurrection in my world. I mean, and my friends, to, to, to build with as a response to the truth is what faith in the resurrection means. And so when I say build, I mean really building. The number one spot where I build is I accept in my heart of hearts that i 'm going to be alone, and this is I think as I look at the spiritual landscape of what's happening in the country. this is the, the 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 spot there was a time where we could live in the kind of Catholic womb that's what I like to think of it as. It was warm, it was life giving it was soft and gentle. Our holy Father is absolutely amazing. And, and and he's showing us how to be, be not afraid, and we're there in 26 years of this wonderful womb of a saint, and look at him now, just one victory after the next, and Veritatis Splendor comes out, and he cracks the whip on women's ordination, and he says, no, the discussion is closed, and you're just like, this guy is absolutely amazing, and yet he's open to World Youth Day, and you've got millions, the largest gathering in human history is under his pontificate, and, and we're just like rooting away, then comes pope benedict the uh, the elegant statesman the diplomat and we're staying in the womb and he starts doing the latin mass and getting latin going again and all of us are just feeling like we understand what it means to be catholic all right well you know times have changed a little bit and i used examples of the popes not just to speak about you know what some people are struggling with sometimes in their faith life with respect to church leadership uh, because it's not just, you know, in the presence of the Holy Father with some people can have troubles with, but then some people can have troubles with their bishop and the bishop was this or the bishop is that or our priest or this priest or that we've gone through scandal after scandal after scandal 2002 try being a priest if you think you got it tough. Just try being one of us walk around. Every time we turn around, we're getting told that another one of us did something terrible, a friend that you knew actually you didn't know, you know, and it's just like, and you look around for what's normal, what's normal. I mean, to have our priests close our churches down and be as a priest, I got to salute you or salute these priests at the same time. I know you guys are mad at them. We took a vow of obedience. We took a vow of obedience. And so like, you know, how you should resist (laughs) Okay. Okay. you know, know, it's fine. But then again, like when you made a vow of obedience and you get a clear order from the person you made a vow of obedience to, it's also can come from a good heart that they close the churches. We can get mad about it if you want. I just want to also defend them a little bit because not all of them were happy with it. And a lot of priests were just were caught in the middle. What do you do? And in all of that, what's happened is that we look around and then I look at your families. You're now being you know, we don't know the gender of our child. If we're allowed to do a gender reveal, if what pink means, what blue means, no one knows. And yet we can't even say this or that. And we have to relinquish our rights as parents to a school system that's going to tell us a different history of our country than what we thought and claim that we are racist, even though we're not racist. But actually, I am racist because I didn't even know I. (laughs) and, And then what does that term mean? And you're just spinning your heads and you're like, we thought the world was stable and that right meant right and wrong meant wrong, but we don't even know. And in all of that, you know, situation, the temptation for you guys is going to be to despair, to be stunned. To turn around and say, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do, honey. And so we're either just going to go along with it. I mean, we don't want to be mean. We, you know, we want to be nice. We want to, you know, or, or, you know, maybe the whole church thing is wrong anyway. You know, this Bible kind of thing. You know, we actually had one Jesuit priest named Father James Martin, you know, and he's walking around. He actually tweeted an amazing tweet. He said, it's absolutely without a doubt that the Bible condemns homosexual activity. The only question I have is is the Bible always right? <laughs> Father James Martin Jesuit like and you're like, "Whoa, he took the tweet down but I saw the pictures of it that was up there." Now what do you do with that? When you I mean like, or, do you believe the Bible? I mean, well, I don't know if I believe the Bible after all. I mean, nah, nah, everything in the Bible, you know, I'm like, yeah, everything in the Bible. I mean, I, I just started turning to preaching the Bible. I carry it over my heart. I got it right here. I carry it over my heart right there. I got my Bible. I carry it with me. I love it. I kiss it. I read it. I preach it because this is the pillar of truth right here. This is where the, the sword of the Holy Spirit, it's moved there. And it's my rock. And I tell you what, if we lose that rock of truth as the Bible, what do we have that's left? Where am I going with this? I'm going to tell you that you've got to accept that the womb is gone. And that that's actually a good thing. When Moses takes the Israelites into the desert, they got nothing except dependency on God. They have no houses to protect them. They have no jobs to protect them. They don't have any relationships to protect them. They don't have their relationship with the local grocer to protect them. They got nothing. They're out exposed. And God does this on purpose. And he takes our Lord and the spirit drives him into the desert. I've been to that desert where our Lord was. It's the worst place I've ever been on earth. I've been to a lot of places, OK, I've been twenty nine countries and that desert. I mean, I'm a backpacker. I go to the desert. The American Southwest is the Hotel Hilton compared to that place. There is nothing. I don't even I was looking, going where where would he have stayed? And I was I was looking. I was thinking, how would you where would you stay? I have no idea where he stayed. The only type of relief in the landscape is the ditch where the flood water would go through the wadis. So he would have like, I don't know, dug a hole in the side of a wadi that I don't even know. There's like there's nothing. There's not even a rock to hide behind. It's horrible. And that's where our Lord was alone. Alone. What do you do when your priest lets you down? What do you do when your world lets you down? What do you do when when the president lets you down? What do you do? You know, most people that I'm finding today sit and complain about it. I'm telling you, I don't have time for it anymore. And you shouldn't have time for it anymore, either, because it's a waste of time. And if you're really that scared and you're really that fired up about what's going on, you don't have time to waste. (laughs) It's really kind of a simple option here, guys. I just was on U.S. 24 going from defiance into Toledo yesterday. And there's a big billboard that said, keep America great, Trump 2020. A billboard on the road. <laughs> I'm like, it's 2022, bro. You know, like I get it. You know, you love the guy, but like, seriously, I'm like, how long are you gonna are you gonna keep complaining? You know, and it's like me. You know, again, like, due respect to everybody. I'm just saying, it's a symptom. I keep seeing people thinking that if we were in 1952, we'd be fine. Let me tell you, in 1952, they were thinking they'd be back in 1930. And it's everyone wishes that they were all 50 years before they were born. The saints rise to meet the challenge. You have a mission to fulfill called your family. That is your mission ground. I don't want to actually say, I think we're suffering from a huge bout of spiritual pride because all the, the news fills you as if you should be knowing and rooting for whatever president of whatever country is doing against the Russian military. You're not a president of a country. There's one thing to want to know what's going on. OK, you can know what's going on. But when you start taking it personal and you start rooting and spending your energy thinking about geopolitics, Guys, uh, you're wasting your time. It's a huge distraction, and it can end up becoming from pride. It's like folks that want to tell the Pope how to be Pope. You might have a difficult time. You might have reasons for being upset about things. Fine, but get over them quickly because no one is going to ask you. (laughs) Sometimes people ask me, Father, what do you think about the church doing this or that? I say, well, the moment the Pope asks me, I'm going to tell him. You're waiting for him to call. He'll call any minute. I'm just sure never going to call you. You don't get access. And yet we're thinking in our brains that we got to save the church by getting all involved in this or that. Or we got to save the church by, by do we got to save this. or we got to We got getting father, tell father what he should be doing and what he shouldn't be doing to a degree. Yeah. Fine. You know, but to a degree, I'll tell you what God's expecting of you. He wants your spouse in heaven. And he wants your kids to be strong in hope. Are you giving hope to your kids or are you giving them just a dose of fear about what's coming on? I was like, there was another guy who pulled the alarm. He was the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church in uh, 1814. You know what he did when Napoleon invaded Russia? This guy made a public pronouncement that Napoleon Bonaparte was the antichrist of the book of Revelation. He pulled the alarm bells, 1814. He was wrong. Okay. You don't have right to pull the alarm bells. I don't care how, who you think you are. You're not God. The, The alarm bell that needs to be pulled is it does my wife know that she is loved by me more than anyone else in the world right now. Does she know that? Is my husband confident that I have his back? And I am never calling him into question or call, thinking to thinking to myself that I'm going to disrespect him. Does my husband feel disrespected by me? That's your mission. Well, yeah, you guys aren't even investing in your family. Your kids are on their stupid phones playing games while you're talking about the vaccine. You know, I tell you, put the phone down or put the vaccine down, dad, and sit out there and start playing baseball with the kids. I mean, you'd be doing so much more for this world if your kids knew how awesome a dad was who wasn't afraid of the Russian invasion. <laughs> I tell you, am I the only one? Of people are like, it's got to be World War III. I'm like, I'm not afraid. Bring it. I mean, I don't want it, but like, whatever. I'm a saint of God. I believe in the resurrection. What does that mean? That means, yeah, bad times are going to come. Bad times will come. Bad times will go. I was given this time to give to God. My response to truth is to build with it. And so how do we do that? Number one, in my heart, I accept I'm going to be alone. I just accept to stop waiting for a hero to replace you. Okay. And we did that. We're like, oh, Father Nathan, he'll replace me. He'll... What is he saying these days? You know, well, he just heard me. I said, just like stop watching me and start talking to your kids. Okay. That's what the deal is. Oh, no, Father Karapi, he'll replace us. No, no, no. Where's Mother Teresa? Oh, Mother Teresa, you know, after Mother Teresa died, you had people criticizing Mother Teresa because for this reason or that reason. Pope Benedict, the man is a saint. I mean, like if Pope Benedict's not a saint, like we're all in trouble. Let me just say that. I mean, the guy's like walking around the Blessed Mother praying his rosary, you know? And yet we're going to be like, no, that man is just worthy and be despicable. And I'm like, who the heck are you, pal? What have you done for God? I'll tell you what that guy's done for God. I couldn't even begin. You know how many books he's written for God? How many hours he sat there studying for God? He didn't go to the amusement park. He didn't go to the baseball game. He sat at his desk and learned Latin and Greek and Hebrew to read the Bible. So did he make mistakes? Maybe. Do you know who else makes mistakes? Everyone. A saint isn't someone who didn't make mistakes. A saint is someone who stands alone in front of God and and gives his love back to him. And so, like, I think, in other words, we got to first of all just accept it. Heroes, the, the epic of heroes is over, unless it's Eminem. Then you can give all the adulation, I guess you feel like you want. Like, give me a break. So, age of heroes is over. What, what, what do we replace it with, right? What do we do next? I'm the hero. So, I'm the hero. I am the wife of this husband, and I'm the mother of this household. Okay. I totally need you, Jesus. I'm going to hide in your mercy, not so that I don't have action, but so that I do. If I really trust in your mercy, Jesus, then I'm going to smile in the face of all this crud thrown my way and all this fear about this vaccine, the shedding. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, all this stuff. Do your homework. You know, I did my homework. I mean, just throw it away now. okay? because like I got to live, you know, can we not have a birthday party? Can we not play baseball? Can we not laugh? Turn off the news, you guys, and start making it instead. And I'm not just making that up. This news is a toxin and it's getting us all so focused on everything we shouldn't be focused on. Uh, Meanwhile, we don't do family meals because our kids are going crazy. We don't have a vacation every year. We don't learn the violin. We don't have a conversation. I'll give you a cool challenge. If you want to do something neat, it was a guy from Texas gave me this. He said, I started, I think it was eight years ago to book 30 minutes With one of my children every week, one-on-one, I made an appointment with them because he's kind of a nerdy business guy. (laughs) So he's like, I have it on my calendar. I I do an outlook saying, you know, there it is, 4.30 to 5 on Sundays, every Sunday, one of his kids. And he sat there and started to tear up because his eldest daughter was going to college. And he said, Father, do you have any idea that I've spent, and I forget the number, 72 hours in one-on-one conversation with her. She knows me. I know her. We're friends. <laughs> uh, you want a challenge? I want you to do that. Dads, don't let another, another week go by without a one-on-one with your six-year-old. Just you. Every week. You imagine how special it's going to make them feel. It's going to make them feel like awesome. And That's what we need to do. So, listen. Th- the Lord is with you. Right when when Moses told the Lord, he was afraid and he had more problems than we do. I just want to point this out. <laughs> the Egyptian army was about to massacre his entire people. Hello. Go back. Exodus 15. You know, every time he cried out to the Lord and was like, I got nothing. God, God gave him the same answer. And it drives me crazy. It's the best answer ever. But it drives me crazy. He just said, I will be with you no now i thought about that and thought about that and as i read about i look go back exodus three go back when they're about to stone him and go back when he quits moses quits i'm in it. it's like it's like all you moms who've had quitting moments take solace it's right in the bible <laughs> moses did it too he's just like i can't handle it anymore these kids ah. and i'm done he's like and he said he actually tells god i wish i would die I wish I would die. Like, wow, wow. You know, you're like, I've been there, bro. We're all like fist bumping Moses. You know, he's just on the ground. He's like, yeah, I up, bro. Like, you know, he knows it. And so what, what does God say to him? Each time I will be with you. That's it. Now, the reason this is so powerful to me is that I started thinking about it. And I started going through the other stories in the Bible about David, about Joshua. And then I started going on further. And I realized that the theme of the Psalms, The Lord's love is steadfast forever. And then, of course, you know, the mountains falling and all of that. And then you go to to Isaiah and you start listening to the prophets and they're always like, Israel, the Lord is yours. The Lord is with you. And then I come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does he tell us in Matthew 26 when he goes up to heaven? He says his great commission, go ye to the ends of the earth for behold, I am with you always. And it blew me away because I finally, I only learned this a year ago as a Catholic priest, understood why we say that at Mass. The most powerful thing I could say to you as a Christian is the Lord be with you. I can't give you an answer. I can't tell you what, to, you know, what China is going to do to Taiwan. Like, give me a break. Like, I, when they call me, I'll tell them to not go to Taiwan. In the meantime, I got to talk to you, you know. And, but like, I'll tell you what, the Lord be with you. And your response is so powerful and with your spirit. Wouldn't that be neat for you to turn to your spouse tonight and look at her in the eye and say, the Lord be with you. And she's like, I got to do all these things. And I'm so far behind. And I'm so worried. And I'm so scared. And I got to Aunt Betty's dying. Aunt Loretta's dying. Everybody's dying. Ah, you know, and you look her in the eyes and say, the Lord be with you. And if she were to look at you and say, and with your spirit, I mean, like, just the power of that phrase is so powerful. I want to finish it with wishing you all that. Because as we go forward, option three and option two are not an option. I am not denying the truth. And I'm certainly not going to sit there afraid. I'll tell you what I'm going to do instead. I'm going to respond. I'm going to respond with the Lord because he's with me.
0: Father Nathan, standing ovation, very deeply blessed very, very deeply blessed by you and your words and uh, that we
3: receive it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. 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 Lord Jesus Christ, together we proclaim that you are love itself. We acknowledge that your love holds us in existence. We proclaim that our marital relationship is the very fabric of your love. Today, again, we receive the powerful grace flowing from our sacramental marriage, flowing from your very heart while you were dying on the cross.
1: Lord Jesus Christ, together with confidence, we bring to you every struggle, difficulty, and challenge. We recognize in these your hand molding us for sainthood, the opportunities to sacrificially pour ourselves out for the good of one another, always, without counting the cost, without reservation, that we might become like you.
3: Lord Jesus Christ, together we recognize that our marriage and family is the primary target of Satan, adversary. In your name, we renounce all his lies and whispers that in any way has held or holds us captive, that in any way has influence. Right now, in your holy name, the name of Jesus, through the powerful intercession of our blessed mother Mary, who crushes his head, we break his chains definitively, completely.
1: Lord Jesus Christ, together in this very moment, we humbly avail our souls anew to you. In this very moment, we pray that you flood us with an abundance of your holy presence, that the authenticity of our faith will constantly shine through, ready forgiveness, apology, and pursuit of your magnum, magnum, magnanimous love.
3: Lord Jesus Christ, together we thank you for the amazing gift you give us in one another, in every way, the opportunity to attain holiness, to become what we are in you, to become saints. Today, again, we reclaim and declare our marital identity and mission to make you who are loved known. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit.
0: You have been listening to our very special Power Hour series for Catholic couples featuring a dynamic new presenter every week. We're making available all episodes right now on demand for free at massimpact.us forward slash We're so grateful and blessed for partners who help us drive this critical mission of uniting families and seeking, proclaiming, living, and building the kingdom. Find out more at ilovemyfamily.us. Please click on that partner tab.